Three more days, and we'll be starting a new decade. And are you looking forward to that? Have you made any resolutions? Thinking about them, I know that uh, resolution is an act of resolving or determining upon an action, a course of action, a method, a procedure. A lot of times people make resolutions, especially in the coming new year, of how they're going to change. And so I looked up some of the most common resolutions for 2020, and this is uh, some of them. Eat healthier, lose weight, exercise more. Raise your hand. Come on now. Get organized. Yes. Learn a new skill or hobby. How about that one? Yes. Save more money, spend less money. That's another one. Okay. All right. Quit smoking, quit or drink less alcohol. Nobody's raising their hand here now. Okay. Spend more time with family or friends. Right? How about this one? Find another job. Find another job. Okay, there's some people there raising their hands. And the last one, it wasn't on Google, but I put it in. Come to Alpha and bring a friend. All right. Yeah. Today, though, I want to give you the number one resolution that Jesus would give to us. And what he spoke to his disciples. He would say to live our lives in the fullness of the Holy Spirit's power and his presence. Because he would say that I'm going away, but I'm going to give you someone greater that will be with you forever. It's the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor that will be with you forever. And he will give you the strength to live life in such a way that you will be empowered by him and be able to do the things that you couldn't do on your own. So why did Jesus give this command to his followers? Why is this command still important today? Is it possible for you and I to live life in the Holy Spirit in a way that transforms us and changes us? And today I want to talk about that. It's our theme for 2020. But more importantly, it is in the Scripture and it's throughout the Scripture. In fact, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 8. It's got to be one of the most powerful chapters ever written in the Bible. And we're going to look at just the first 11 verses today. But I want us to grasp and understand what the Apostle Paul is saying here. Because he is on to something, a revelation that would transform many people's lives. It transformed his life and he's sharing it with us through the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand that the Apostle Paul, before he met Christ, was a Pharisee. That means he was a religious, disciplined, strong, unbending will, uncompromising towards the laws of God, that he, how he understood it. And so he used his own human effort to be a righteous person. Do you remember last week I told you about the word righteous? And what that meant in Hebrew? Do you guys remember the Hebrew word? No? Okay, let's see if I, can, if I have it up here. The Hebrew word for righteous is sadak. Say it, sadak. Sadak is a righteous person, a person that follows the laws of God as they know it. And to be known as a righteous person was one of the greatest honors a Jewish person in the first century could possibly have. The Apostle Paul was known as a righteous person. 
In fact, the Bible says, when Paul writes about himself, he says this, Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own human efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. The Apostle Paul is saying, as far as my record goes of being Sadak, I am A++++. And then he says, if you read on in Philippians, he says, but I counted all rubbish, garbage, nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ and having his righteousness in me. There was something different that the Apostle Paul understood And I think we need to understand it too because sometimes we get mixed up on what Jesus wants us to do as Christians. Does he want us to try really hard to be good people? Is that what Christianity is all about? Or is there something else? Is there a power that Christ imparts to us and a person that he imparts into our lives, the Holy Spirit, to be with us and enable us to do things that we couldn't do on our own? And I believe the latter is true. In Romans chapter 7, just to to preface this chapter 8, I just want us to briefly look at chapter 7. But the Apostle Paul was in this battle. He wanted to do the right thing, but there was this power in him, this sinful nature that prevented him from doing the the right thing that he knew to do, he couldn't do. And the, the things that he should stop doing, he couldn't stop doing. And so there was this battle, this law within him of his sinful nature that kept on pulling him down. And this was as he declared himself a righteous person. So he says this, so I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law. I want to do the right thing, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. I am just so, I am hopeless. I am lost. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? The Apostle Paul knew if he had to stand before God just based on his own righteousness, he would fail miserably, even though other people thought he was great. Thanks be to God. He makes this conclusion, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will rescue me? Jesus Christ will rescue me. And so the Apostle Paul starts out and he goes into this chapter of Romans 8 and he makes this declaration and he says this, if this is true, if Jesus Christ really rescued me from the law of sin and death, then... There's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Then that means that I stand before God accepted, belonging to him, that he loves me because of Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, the law of the spirit who gives life has set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did 
by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And he's saying, listen, you who are believers in Jesus Christ, there's been a transaction that has been made in your life. You are no longer under the power of sin and death if the Holy Spirit is living in you. And there's a choice to be made to live according to the Holy Spirit. You know, how could there be no condemnation for sin? It's because Jesus Christ Himself took our sins upon the cross and declared us to be righteous in His sight. And so there's no condemnation. What used to condemn us does not condemn us anymore because Christ has taken our place at the cross and forgiven us of all of our sin. And now He's empowered us to now obey God through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a theologian, uh, Scott McKnight. He's one of the authors of the NIV application Bible. And he talks about this transaction that happens in the New Testament from the Old Testament. He says, now, the, the old law is not bad. The Ten Commandments still need to be kept. God doesn't free you from the Ten Commandments. You don't have to keep them. But he gives you the power to keep them now. He compares living by human effort to obey God is like using a manual typewriter in word processing. The technology and the idea of a typewriter was eventually developed into an electronic, faster, and more complex computer that does word processing. But when typing a computer on a computer, we realize we're still using the old manual typewriter's technology. Further, we realize that the computer far transcends the typewriter. Everything that a typewriter wanted to be is now in a computer. This compares to the law. Everything the laws of God tell us to be are found now in Christ and the life of the Spirit. Everything that God requires of us is found in Jesus Christ and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when a Christian lives in the Spirit and under Christ's lordship, the Christian is not living contrary to God's law, but living in the power to fulfill God's law. God is working in us to fulfill his moral and spiritual laws of love and forgiveness. That is why living in and by the Holy Spirit is so necessary to live a life that pleases God. Without the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's impossible. Our human effort is not enough. All you have to do is be around your family for a long time. Some of you are back from college, right? We may be in a great uh, fellowship and university, and then we come back to our family, and some of the old family patterns that we've been around, they, they seem to weave their way into our sinful nature again, and we live according to the sinful nature rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. It's very easy to do that. I was just in Buffalo yesterday, and I was with my family, and we were talking about the old times. We weren't talking about life in the spirit either. But we were talking about life in the flesh, right? But what I noticed was it's a lot easier to remember the life in the flesh when you're around people that are living life in the flesh. And then, but God calls us to something new, something different. It's the difference between typing on a manual typewriter. I don't know if any of you young people have ever done that, but it is. Hard to do your pay. We had to do everything, manual typewriter. And then you get this little white 
whiteout, right? And you put it, you, you can't just erase something and cut and paste anything. Everything, you have to kind of work on it very slowly. But it's compared to life in the Holy Spirit. It's so different than trying to keep God's laws in our own power. It's drudgery. It's difficult. But man, if we have the new power and presence of the Holy Spirit, it changes us dramatically. But you know, we have to recognize. We have to recognize something that Jesus Christ has changed us. That he has done a work in our lives. And we have to go back to that event and understand it, own it, claim it, and and appropriate it into our lives. The power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we forget about that. There was a New York Times article that featured a story about a 51-year-old ex-convict. His name was Robert Salzman. After a horrific childhood, Salzman spent most of his adult life in prison. Yeah, when he was released from prison in 2001, Salzman found it difficult to even enjoy the freedom that he now experienced outside the prison's walls. He was struggling to even pay his rent. He was going from homeless shelter to homeless shelter. And then finally, in 2010, Salzman had a grace-like experience. While he was riding a New York City subway car, he was found by Rashid Ernesto Green, a writer and a director of film. He was searching for someone to play the part of an ex-convict, so he asked Robert Salzman to, to uh, try out for the part. And to the amazement of everyone, he gave Salzman a key role in the film. Well, then they were filming for months, and then he found himself back in a penitentiary on site in the film, and he was sitting there in his cell. And Salzman, when he fell asleep during one of the breaks, and he woke up in his cell, and he started to cry because he thought he was back in prison. And he, it had such a dramatic effect in him that Salzman was overwhelmed at that moment when all of a sudden the prison door swung open and they got him for the next scene. But he was thinking, I'm free, but no, I'm not free. I'm still in prison. And that's a lot of times the battle that goes on in the mind of believers. We don't really believe that we've been set free from our guilt and shame of our sin in the past and that we have a new life in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we have to appropriate what God has done in our lives. We're not in an old prison cell. We're in the freedom and the victory of Jesus Christ. Those who trust in Christ, regardless of our past, we live We leave our slavery to sin and condemnation and we joyfully step into the freedom of Christ. And that's what he wants us to understand and believe. Romans Romans chapter 8 verses 5 and 6 says this, Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Think about that. When our lives are full of anger, worry, shame, 
thinking of revenge, maybe pride, self-reliance, selfishness. When we're consumed with those kind of thoughts, it affects our mood and it affects our actions. It's dominating. Our sinful nature is dominating our lives. But if we could change the channel, if we could switch that off and then think about the Holy Spirit in His work, His power, that a mind controlled and dominated by the Holy Spirit, and this is just, you know, surrendering our lives to Christ, but also taking upon His Word into our lives and applying it in our lives, there's a change that happens. The Holy Spirit becomes our teacher who helps us to understand how He wants us to live. And that's why Romans 8, 7, and 8 says, the mind governed by the flesh, it's hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. A mind that's dominated by the sinful nature, we can't do. We're we're in the problem that Paul has in Romans 7, right? We want to do the right thing, but we don't have the power to do the right thing. And so we need the fullness, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we can't please God in our flesh or in our own human nature. You, however, Paul says a statement, you, however, <laughs> you. Tell the person next to him, you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. He's talking to you. Your mind, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. And the apostle Paul was saying, look it, you have the spirit of Christ in you. If you receive Jesus Christ into your life, the Holy Spirit takes up residence in you. If you surrender and open up your life, to the baptism and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, He will empower you then to live the life that He wants to live through you. Remember when Jesus was meeting a religious man, Nicodemus, and he was, it's in John chapter 3, and this man Nicodemus comes to him at night because he doesn't want anybody to see him talking to Jesus because he's a Pharisee, he's Sadak, he's a righteous man. So he doesn't want to see him humbling himself and going to this teacher who is controversial, but he goes at night and he sees Jesus. And what does Jesus tell him? He tells him the very thing that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. You need to be born again of the Spirit. You need the Spirit to lead you. Because what you have right now is just a bunch of rules and human effort, and it's not going to be enough. And so... Jesus replied, Very verily, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And Nicodemus said, How can someone be born when they're old? And surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answers, Very very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but Spirit gives birth to Spirit. He's saying... You've got to be born of the Holy Spirit and be then be led by the Holy Spirit as the Apostle Paul is saying. And that makes the difference in your life. For victory, for life, for peace. You know, if we want true life and true peace in our lives, it comes through the presence and the power 
of the Holy Spirit as we turn our lives over to the Lordship of Jesus. Romans 8, verses 10 and 11 says this, But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, now, we're all subject to death. You know, someday we're going to die. Our bodies are breaking down, okay? Even, (laughs) amen, I get an amen over there. I'm with you. I hear you, Jim. I feel the same way. Our bodies break down when we get older. We can't do the same things we do. We're subject to decay and death. But this is what he says. The Spirit gives life because of righteousness. But the Spirit can give life. Even when we are struggling, the Spirit can give life when no one else can give life. And it's the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead how bad are we struggling? Are we dead yet? No. But if the Spirit is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. And that not only speaks of the resurrection when we're in heaven, but it also speaks about giving life to our mortal bodies even today. That there's healing for today, that there's renewal for today, that God can do something new in us through the power of His Holy Spirit. That's why it's so integral part of Christianity to be in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit. Because the enemy, Satan, does not want you in that realm. He wants you in the realm of human effort or of the flesh or of the sinful nature. Because then you're of no opposition to him. You're weak. But in the Spirit... God can do amazing things. If he could resurrect Christ from the dead, what else could he do in our lives? And the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the Bible said is dwelling in us. Now, I don't always feel like that. I really don't. Sometimes I don't feel like, man, I have the same power in me that raised Christ from the dead. Man, why can't I get more organized? (laughs) Why can't I learn something new? You know, all those resolution things. But you know what? There's something, if we humble ourselves before God, and we say, God, this is where I'm at, broken and right where I am right now. I need your power. I need your presence. I need your help. This is not about me. It's about you working in me, restoring me. God will always answer that prayer. So when we live and are empowered by the Holy Spirit, what can we expect? Well, this is one of the things. First of all, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. If we belong in Christ Jesus, that means that there is no longer. You can't say, man, I I said such regrets from the past. I should have done this. I should have did that. No. He says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God doesn't condemn you. We belong to Him. There's a new power to love Him and others. When we yield to the Holy Spirit, there's a new power to love Him and to love other people like we could never do before. And God can change us. He can work in us. I was just visiting my mother the other day, and she said, Alan, one thing about you 
You always had to have the last word. And she was right. I did. If she said something to me, I said something back. Well, what about this? And then she would get so angry. One day, I was walking out the door. I was like, I remember I was in seventh grade. And we had this argument. I'm arguing with my mother. I'm not a believer. And probably even if I was a believer in seventh grade, you're in the flesh a lot, I'll tell you. I just remember that. And so I said the last word. I said, yeah, but what about that? And she is, get out of here. And she slammed the door. And the front door slammed so hard that I heard glass breaking. She slammed it so hard that the glass broke. And I just kept on running. You think I would have went back and said, Mom, did you hurt your hand or are you bleeding or whatever going on? But I was just so, I was just so scared, I just ran away. And I'll tell you, the difference in our relationship now is, yeah, I'm a lot older and stuff like that. But I really respect my mother. Uh, I respect her faith. I respect what she did for me. And it changed when I became a Christian at 18. And then when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, my whole relationship with my parents began to change. And so there's, there's things that transform the old patterns that I used to follow of having to have the last word, of having to win the argument, of having to do all those things began to change. And the same thing happens in each of our lives as we begin to have the character of Christ formed in us. Instead of living in the flesh, there's the life and power and the fruit of the Holy Spirit that begins to take place in our life. There's something different that happens when we depend upon the Spirit of God. What can we expect? We should be expecting the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love and joy and peace and self-control and faithfulness and those things that bring God's presence into our lives. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. The other day I saw the uh, movie Mr. Rogers, uh, that movie about Mr. Rogers, what's that? Friend in the Neighborhood or something like that? It's a wonderful day in the neighborhood. But Mr. Rogers had this sense and presence that everybody that he met was important to him. So even when he was off the set, I don't, did anybody ever watch Mr. Rogers when they were kids? It's a few people. We're kind of in between generations here, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, so he wasn't as new for that. But everybody that he met, he really spoke really quietly and gave them their full attention. And he would let them speak. And so what happened is that he really was forming the character of Christ in his life. He did this, and somebody came to interview him and said, is this a show that you do? Like, uh, are you for real? Are you really like this all the time? And they interviewed his wife, and the wife said, he's like that all the time. It's one of his goals in life is to truly listen to people and understand what they're like and to be gentle. And I just thought, that guy was full of the Holy Spirit. He really was able to communicate in that way. What a goal to have in 2020. To have a life of living life in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit 
so that when we talk with people and when we interact with people, we're really looking to share Christ's love with them through our actions, through our attitudes, through our concern and listening. God can do that. He can do that work in us. So a lot of times we think the Holy Spirit comes in great miracles and great power, and He does. But sometimes He's doing something deep inside of us, in our hearts, that He wants to change. So allow Him to do that work in you, to form the character of Christ in your life. And may that be something that we all look to in 2020 as we seek the Lord to to be living in life in the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word to us today, Lord. Thank you for the way that you can transform a person's life like the Apostle Paul. But Lord, you didn't only want to transform him. You want to transform us. And you want to teach us what it means to live life in the Holy Spirit. So we pray, Lord, that you will do that work in us this year. That we'd be open to the leading and the empowerment of your Holy Spirit in our lives. That, Lord, when we humble ourselves before you and we bring you our life with all the past resolutions maybe we've never kept, but, Lord, we ask that you would transcend all of that and work in us a love for you and a love for others that could only be attributed to the power and presence of your Spirit in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.